0: When children are born, as all parents know, no one is there to give you a manual, plan book, or directions regarding how to rear that newborn. Despite thousands of years of growing up children, when it comes to getting them to adulthood, each set of parents are on their own. Even if directions did exist, a section on education during a pandemic would probably not be included. Greetings again. Amanda Morgan. Returning children to school this fall is as big a decision parents are ever going to have to make. It's about health, not necessarily education. Educators have advised us that kids could do another semester or two of remote learning and when back into the classroom will educationally recover from the slowdown just fine. And there's no real hard standard to graduate in four years anyway. Currently, many students are taking five or six years to get out of high school and a lot longer to graduate from college. So what it's down to is a decision regarding health risk. Remote learning at home is inherently more safe. Contrasting back in the classroom carries more risk. That can also include the family. The decision considerations are ranging. To gain the additional insight for informed decision-making, we turn again to Children's Hospital Colorado physician, Dr. Jessica Cataldi.
1: Every school is different, again, um, but you want to look for what they're doing in terms of trying to give kids space when possible to socially distance, and then also trying to decrease the number of contacts that each person has in the day, so the number of other people that a child or a teacher is around. So the space one is certainly a challenge, and we know that everybody keeps saying six feet of social distancing, and if you look at a classroom, that can be really difficult to achieve. We also know from studies looking at the way that – infectious particles travel when you're talking or sneezing or coughing, that having six feet of distance is great. Having five feet is still better than four feet, and having three feet is still better than two feet. And so really as much of that space as you can achieve, and if you can get three feet and everybody's wearing face coverings when they're at their desk, that still goes a really long way to help decrease the risk of spreading things.
0: They also look for how schools are disinfecting or keeping things like and I'm putting on my kid hat now, you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, I need some water, I wanna go to the water fountain, or I gotta go to the bathroom, you know. Um should parents also look how look at how how schools are going to be handling those types of protocols as well.
1: Yeah, so you want to make sure that they've got some sort of cleaning plan that they've shared. Um, but honestly we've seen over time that the things you touch um, are less likely to give you COVID unless you touch it and then immediately put your hand in your nose or your mouth, which certainly oh, okay. kids can do. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so emphasizing that hand washing is is really important. Um, uh-huh. And I think the most important thing is cleaning what we call high-touch surfaces. So okay. every kid should really have one desk that they're at or one space that they're at that is theirs so that they're not sharing and touching that same desk space as other people as much. Um, you know, making sure that wiping down door handles at the, you know, in between um, kids coming in and out of the room, Um trying to decrease the use of, like, shared um, materials, or if you are sharing a lot of materials that lots of kids will be touching, trying to find things that you can wipe down in between as much as possible, and then, again, adding that layer of hand-washing, hand-sanitizing in between.
0: In a number of public schools, you also have educators because of the economics of their uh, students, they go out and buy crayons and buy pencils and tablets and that kind of thing. Would you recommend to educators that are doing that that they need to disinfect it or wipe it down or something before they give it to kids to use?
1: Yeah, that's something that I would look to the school on and see. So, you know, here at the hospital, for example, Um, we'll have kind of different, like, covers or materials that you could put something in so that it's easier to wipe it down on the outside, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's something that I would have teachers kind of talk with their school about and also see if some of those materials aren't the best plan, at least for the first part of this school year while we're sorting things out. Um, So that's where we'll have to get creative, certainly. But, again, the touching, um, you know, is really Uh, Less of a risk we've seen than other people. So it's Mm -hmm. uh, coughing on somebody without a mask on when you didn't realize you were sick. That's really much more of a risk than, you know, touching somebody's iPad. Uh
0: All right. Now, now there's something that I know is going to be the most difficult challenge of all, and that is when you pick the kids up, uh, for example, uh, they're away from their friends. How do you keep kids away from other kids when you're trying to pick them up or drop them off? Because they're going to see Johnny. and i got to go, go see my friend. friend. And everything you've done to keep them separated and healthy can go down the drain in 10 seconds.
1: Yeah, I think it's good to talk about it ahead of time. And, again, it will be different for different ages, right? Um, you know, that's something you can explain to an adolescent um, and explain to them why it's important. And I think um, different age groups will understand things different ways. So for an adolescent, you know, some of them might say, sure, I totally get it. Some of them you might need to explain, you know, how this is motivating and can help them. So it's great that you want to go see your friend. Remember, we have to keep six feet of distance and no high fives right now. Better to catch up with them outside. And if we do all these things, we will decrease the spread of COVID faster so that we can get back to those normal things that you're missing. So really uh-huh. kind of framing it for older kids in a way that it's the things we do to try and get back to normal. Uh-huh. And for younger kids, I think it's about preparing them and also about practice. Um, yeah. I've heard some people encourage that for kind of younger school-age kids uh, who, you know, might be at the age where they like to go tattle on other kids, you can teach them to be the enforcer, so uh, I'm sure that'll lead to challenges at some point. But you know, say, "Hey, masks are really important," and if you see that, you know, mommy's not wearing her mask, you should you should tell me. And so, kind of teaching them to look out for what those rules are, because when kids reach that age where they know what rules are, often they feel empowered. So uh-huh. I think that there's ways to, like you said, prepare kids, um, and then again, those other things we do to decrease risk, like keeping a face covering on if you are going to go up and hug somebody, trying to catch up and talk outside instead of being inside or inside a car with somebody you don't live with. Both of those things can decrease the risk. Yeah,
0: you said cars there. Should the uh, parents look for what protocols schools may have in place, especially high schools, moving to that crew in case they're driving their cars to school, picking up their friends, maybe, maybe not, telling them not to, how to wipe it down. Uh, spacing in parking lots do they need to to look for that as well as discussing it with their student on what to do
1: yeah so the best thing to do to keep safe if you're going to ride in the car with somebody you don't live with is keeping your face covering on and then again if the weather allows you know having the windows down could be helpful for air circulation but keeping that face covering on um i don't think you need to change your parking situation that should be just fine you know you're not going to want to be opening car doors and bumping into somebody even before COVID. So um, that should be fine. And those kind of interactions of just getting out of your car next to someone are usually very brief. Um, yeah. So usually, you know, not more than a few seconds. Um, you mentioned, you know, carpooling, which uh, if you're in a carpool, one way that you can um, – try and decrease the risk is to look for carpooling with somebody that you'll be with all day anyways.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. well, great um, idea.
1: We're trying to talk about how we can decrease the number of people that kids are around during the day and trying to talk about things like pods or cohorts where kids, instead of moving to the music classroom and then moving to their social studies classroom and maybe mixing with a different group, then so we try to keep groups together for most of their learning, and if we need to, have a teacher come in and out of the classroom. Yeah. Um, again, you're you're not going to get to see all 100 of your friends in your grade. You might only get to see 30, but that can really decrease the risk of spread of disease by keeping those groups kind of contained, um, and it also helps... If there is a case, that then you know it's these 30 people rather than these 100 people that we need to go check on.
0: Some school districts are saying that the pods will be effective because if um, the child comes down, becomes infected with COVID-19, it's easier to quarantine them. Now, the question is, do you quarantine them on campus? Then you send them home and they don't come back, or they come back and you have a separate area in school to continue teaching them.
1: Yeah, so if a kid does get sick, like, while they're at school, you know, say that they start throwing up in a classroom, for example, or get a fever while they're sitting in their history class, we would have the school nurse or the nurse's aide take that kid out of school uh, or out of the classroom, rather, and bring them to an office where they can really sort through what's going on and and probably try to get them home in most cases. And that's what we do with kids who get sick at school now, even before COVID.
0: With everybody talking about, oh, vaccine is going to be coming soon is going to be coming soon. Um, Do vaccines really also have to be tested on children as well to make sure they don't have any side effects versus adults because their immune systems are different? They're younger. They may not tolerate the same dosage levels.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And, you know, before COVID or when I'm not doing COVID things, uh, vaccines are actually my focus of work. So, uh yeah. yes, absolutely. Vaccines that are given to children need to be studied um in children. And so the COVID vaccines that are in development right now look promising, but still have quite a ways to go. And uh, the candidates that have been in the news lately over the past couple weeks have not yet been studied in children. So the other thing to think about is once we have a vaccine, it's not going to be an infinite supply at first. And so that limited supply is going to really be prioritized to people who have a higher risk of being exposed to COVID and who have a higher risk of getting very sick So right now, most kids don't fall in that category, and I think it's going to be quite a while before we're talking about the COVID vaccine for kids.
0: Um, Even if they are talking about a vaccine early next year, it still may be six or eight more months before it's going to be available to children, and some of the rest of us
1: as well. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, again, like I said, I think it's promising news on vaccines, but we have a long ways to go. And you're absolutely right that we want a vaccine that will help us, um, you know, decrease the risk of COVID and try to get back um, to doing more things that we used to consider normal, but we want to do that safely. Um, and pediatricians, uh know very well the sort of long history of vaccines and that there have been real challenges with vaccine safety in the past, and we want to see this done right. You know, we want to make sure that um, when we have a vaccine that we know what to expect from it, we know what the side effects are, and we know that it's going to work.
0: Is there anything else you think parents need to know in their evaluation before they uh, uh, decide to send a kid back to school or keep them doing remote learning that we haven't covered?
1: One, you know, you need to decide what's right for your kid, and you need to expect change. So uh, yeah. we talked about what happens if somebody gets COVID at school, that there'll have to be a shift to remote learning, at least for some people. You should expect that things are going to change throughout the year, and uh-huh. be ready and prepare your kids for that change. The other thing is that all of these things we do to keep kids safe are related to and depend on everything going on outside school. So in places like Texas and Arizona right now, there are so many cases and the numbers are so high that no matter what you do, there's still going to be a higher risk of COVID in school, just like there's a higher risk of COVID in the grocery store. So everything we can do to keep those numbers down in our communities is what helps enable us to go to get kids back to school in a safe way.
0: Are kids going to be mentally okay after all this? changing, going back and forth, and seeing what's happening with people, and then seeing their schools changed around. Are kids a little more mentally tough than we think they are? It's
1: an important question to ask. Um, You know, I think we're all going to be impacted by this for a while, Um, and I I wouldn't say that kids are any different. Even young kids know that life is different right now. Young kids know that there's a germ or that people are getting very sick, and... um, You know, talking about it with your kids can be helpful, talking about expecting change and, you know, explaining that it's okay to think that this is hard because it is hard. And then the other thing to point out is that um, schools offer more than just teaching. So those connections with teachers and classmates are really important for kids' uh, social development and for their mental health. Um, you know, you mentioned the kid who's really excited to see their friend they haven't seen in a long time. Those are real bonds and connections, um, just the way our friends and coworkers who we miss as adults help support us. So there are things about going back to school and trying to uh, be able to help kids sort through how challenging this is with other kids their age that could be really helpful and might be harder to do remotely.
0: Dr. Jessica Cataldi. Pediatric and Infectious Disease Specialist at Children's Hospital Colorado. A deep appreciation to her for sharing her insights with us again. The Centers for Disease Control has additional information online at cdc.gov. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And many thanks to you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.